Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Still not watching the NHL playoffs. I just can't get into it. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, I understand that you have been watching. Yeah, I, start, I started getting into it. At, you know, it's the playoffs. I always watch playoffs. So it's, uh, uh, yesterday there was five games and every one of them was close and three of them went into overtime. I saw all three of the overtime, so I didn't watch good. every minute of every game or anything, but I uh, saw a little bit of every game. Some good games, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have been following the Oilers news, though, as we continue to pick apart uh, what went wrong with the Oilers season. And we'll talk about that on today's podcast. First, why don't we start, though? You're writing a post about some of the wingers that you've been seeing in the playoffs. Do you think the Oilers, uh, you know, looking down the list, um, who do you wish was on the Oilers now? Oh, yeah. They had a, they were on a poll on, uh, I'm writing a somewhat facetious post uh, about who I'm watching in the playoffs because I don't think there's much chance of any of these guys ever being Oilers again. No, uh, no just chance. because they've all been, they're all ex-Oilers. But the point of the post is that for all of the Oilers didn't get much scoring from the wings this year, uh, in recent years, they've actually had some pretty talented wingers that they've uh, they've moved along, and they've kind of made they've kind of flipped from in 2010. The whole future of the franchise was built around the hope of four young winners, wingers: Taylor Hall, Linus Olmark, Magnus PRV, Jordan Everly. Hope, and. Uh, in 2012, they moved on Linus Omark and brought in Neil Yakupov, at which point hope became hype. Well, I don't think anybody ever really enunciated that. But uh, what happened was the Oilers suddenly became quite profligate in getting rid of wingers. It was like wingers, scoring wingers are the easiest thing to go and get in hockey. We so badly need defensemen and two, two-way centers and so on that we absolutely have got to go and get ourselves uh, uh, those guys. And we can fill in with help on the wings when the time comes. And so here's a list of guys I've seen in the playoffs, all wingers, all playing for other teams uh, in the last week in the actual playoffs since the, since the play-ins. Uh, Taylor Hall, Jordan Everly, David Perron, Patrick Maroon, Milan Lucic, Tobias Reeder, Drake Kajula, Tyler Pitlick, and Andrew Cogliano. Nine guys that the Oilers up and got rid of. And obviously, each is not is not created equal. Losing Tobias Reeder and losing Taylor Hall is not exactly the same level of catastrophe. But the fact remains that these are guys that are playing and seem to be helping out on other teams uh, during these playoffs. And, I mean, we're talking about, I would say, three three fairly elite-level scorers in there. In Taylor Hall, Jordan Everly, and uh, David Perron, all of whom have averaged over 20 goals and over 50 points per season over their lengthy NHL careers. Like, these are all 10-year-plus veterans now. Yeah. And they're still playing, and they're still scoring, and they're doing it in the playoffs. And it just, you know, so I'm just investigating a little bit. When did the orders move them? What did they get for them? What happened to that guy? What happened to that guy? 
And some of the trade trees, David, would make you weep. Here, yeah, I here's was, a, go ahead. I was just going to say, here's a classic trade tree. Jordan, Jordan Everly for Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner. Ryan Spooner for Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne and two second-round draft picks for Andreas Athanasiu. So the net trade is Everly and two second-round picks for Andreas Athanasiu. Nice trades, Oilers. And now we'll let Athanasiu go so he can go to another team and become a star in the playoffs. Uh, I was, of those eight players or nine players, Bruce, I was upset. With, I, I, I was, there's three of them, Lucic, Reader, and Kajula, who I thought had, had um, I was happy to see leave the Oilers. Uh, Reader, Reader was ineffective with the Oilers. Uh, Kajula, I thought, was a very weak defensive player with the Oilers. I mean, I wish they hadn't traded him for a terrible contract, but I, um, I don't know if he was part of the solution on the orders. And Lucic, of course, was when he was in Edmonton, didn't get it done in the playoffs, didn't get it done in the regular seasons, two years in a row, was super slow. And his skills were replicated by other players, Cassian specifically. Um, they just didn't need that kind of player. The other ones, it seemed like Shirelli got rid of a good winger every single year. And that was yep. going on before Shirelli came. But, you know, getting Hall... Everly was run out of town. I, I contend Everly was run out of town by the, a faction of the fans, faction of the media. And I, if I'm completely honest, I think the coach, Todd McClellan, had had enough of Jordan Everly um, after the playoffs that year. And there was also the cap issue. You know, do you have enough money to pay Everly? Which was a reasonable issue, actually. Like, that, this is the cap reality. And it did. there, there was a little, little bit of a crunch, although there was... Turns out they probably could have kept him one more year because it didn't really... The cap crunch didn't really hit... Um, they didn't use the cap season. space. But he really was, Bruce. Uh, after that playoffs, there was lots of negative media commentary about Everly. Many fans had turned against the player. Mm-hmm. David Perron, that's just a weird one. Like, he, he was okay with the Oilers. He was good with the Oilers. Then he was okay with the Oilers. And then he got moved for a high first-round draft pick, which that trade tree will show turned into Griffin Reinhardt. Yep. Um, we don't have to talk about the Taylor Hall trade. I hated both Pitlick. I didn't like either Pitlick or Cogliano, two, two useful young players going and getting back mm-hmm. little in return. I mean, the orders were just so such an inept freaking organization, like just forever. And Charlie, his proclivity to make the big move, the big wrong move um, was in the end, it was just devastating to the franchise to the point where I think we're all kind of happy if Holland says he's going to be patient and uh, wants continuity. It sounds, it's, it, it seems like a great relief just because of Shirelli's cataclysmic <laughs> moves. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be, you know, the net bottom line here, he didn't make all of these trades. It wasn't him that moved down to Cogliano for a second round pick, but it was, uh, you know, he was certainly was the, um, uh, the main culprit in making these series of trades over over the uh, over the years, and uh, uh, the bottom line is that they moved out some pretty useful wingers. Now, I mean, nowadays you can say Andrew Cogliano or Patrick Maroon are past their prime, and they probably couldn't help the Oilers right now. Maybe or it would be very marginal players, but they were useful players when they left here, and the Oilers did not get a whole lot. In return, one or two of the trades they did all right. You know, I mean, for Lucha, took out James Neal. I don't know that they 
Okay, I lost that trade on. Oh, the I'd make that trade right away. Today. Oh, oh Lucic, you know, and you talk about Zach Cassian replicating his skills. Well, maybe so, but not in the playoffs. Not this Milan year. Luch- Milan Lucic is playing 10 times as good as Zach Cassian did in this year's playoffs. I'm sorry to say it, but. Yeah, and, and so I, I can't comment. Like, good for Lucic. I mean, he, I, I thought he could be valuable to a team, some team that needed that kind of player, using him in the right role, not in a, I, you know, I don't think he's, you know, they got him in a power forward. Role. He's just, he's, if you just want him to, to be a, an enforcer and play a bit, then that's kind of a usable NHL player. Like, he's costly, but he can still play in the NHL. Well, he's on the line as a mentor to two greasy, young, semi-skilled guys in Dylan Dubé and uh, Sam Bennett. In fact, I'd say fairly skilled guys, to, you know, to be yeah. fair. Like, they're not stars, but they're, they're you know, talented players, and they're greasy AF, both of them. And, um, of course, Lucic is there sort of to take care of that end of business so they don't get in too much trouble and they can stick their nose where it doesn't belong with impunity, you know, because they, they got Milan Lucic uh, mining the store for him, which was, a, you know, a large part of the idea when the Oilers got him, I think. But it's so it's, it's frustrating to see him doing what the Oilers paid him big dollars to do here for Calgary. But it's it's not, you know, in and, and, and a ways, I mean... The way his career came off the rails and the way I think he had some personal issues in there, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm happy to see him turn around. But for Calgary, it's a bit of a bitter pill. You know, it's kind of a yeah. blessing. He, he was brought in, you know, as uh, for the Oilers, is not as a bottom-line kind of enforcer, but as a top-line power forward, of course. And um, hard for him not to live up to that and hard for the team and everybody else, hard for the fan base. And it was clearly, a, I think, a good move for both Neil and Lucic. I like James Neil this year, and uh, and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad to hear Milan Lucic just turned it around. He seems like a like a good guy, and so why not, Bruce? There's lots of in terms of the big moves that Holland might make this mm-hmm. year. We're not hearing a lot about forwards, although they might be they might be looking to bring in a winger, of course, to play with McDavid. There's talk about that or play with Drysail. But the main thing we're hearing about is goalie and defense. And uh, I kind of uh, dug into that a little bit in terms of um, there's some some commentary going on this week about, you know, what they should do with uh, defense. I, we did a, I did a, ran a Twitter poll on this um, after Brian Burke uh, on Stauffer's show talked about trading one of the big four, big four defensemen. He says he likes all of these defensemen a bit, mm-hmm. Larson, Clefbaum, Nurse, and Bear. But his 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 idea was, you know, th- this didn't really work out. It's probably time to move one of them along and shake things up and and make a trade. And a lot of older, you know, a lot of older fans are really against that idea. I and I'm personally not in favor of trading one of the top four because I'm not convinced there's anyone on the roster who can step into the top four. It's easy to say trade one of your top four D men, but well, we saw what happened, how that worked out with Tom Gilbert and Jeff Petrie, right? You you trade guys who are currently in your top four, you don't replace them with a better player, mm-hmm. you fail to do that, and it's a disaster for your team. So I'm not convinced there's anyone on the roster, but uh, we we I'll just give you quickly the fan results, the fan poll that okay. we that we had here. Uh, Twenty six hundred people voted. Which top four DMN would you trade Adam Larson? 46%. Darnell Nurse, 29%. Oscar Clefbaum, 5%. 
and not any of them 20%. So I was in the not any of them category, but I'm definitely in terms of Russell and Be both Russell and betting. Uh, I think you must trade one of them to have a successful off season. You got to get, you got to open up a roster spot for Caleb Jones because he will, well, he might not be ready for a top four spot. He's ready for a bottom six spot. And I think actually I, I'm, the more I think about it, I'd like to see both of them traded to open up a spot for either Bouchard or Lagasin in the other spot, <coughs> excuse me, in the other spot. So what are you thinking along those lines, Bruce? Well, Ken Holland said something the other day about Caleb Jones and how well he played when he was in the thrust into the top four when Clefbaum got hurt uh, in uh, February, was it? And yeah. as I recall, he said something about the Oilers outscoring something like 17 to 10. It was that Holland that said that? Or anyway, somebody at that, I read that the Oilers were outscoring team by a nice margin during the games that uh, that Jones played up the lineup. Yeah. And I, I need to investigate a little bit further, but uh, by memory, he got better as time went on, and it was it was during the latter part of his season where he actually got that chance with the extra minutes, and uh, and he made it. Uh, so maybe he's your top four replacement, and maybe if you have him in the top four over, uh, uh, you know, a more uh, a less mobile player. I mean, geez, Dave, I'm watching the playoffs, and, and I know, every game Bruce. I know it's Miro Heskinen or it's uh, Quinn Hughes or it's Kale McCarr just ripping the other team to shreds, and it's like some 21-year-old kid on defense. And you know, you don't you don't create those guys out of whole cloth, but if you got them in your in your lineup, giving them a chance is maybe not a bad idea. They did it with Ethan Bear, and it worked out not too bad this year. And they got a player there at least. I'm not sure he's a player there, Ilk. But he's a player, and the game's changing, you know, and it's. Uh, Would you move Clefbaum then, Bruce? I mean, or like, so if it's a left defense, mm -hmm. if it's a left defense that you're going to move, mm -hmm. um, you see, this is the. It's very unpopular with yep. many Oiler fans to say move Clefbaum, but when yeah, we I look know. at Clefbaum's like, even strengths, yeah. Bruce, when we look at his even strength scoring over time. And it's not just one year. Like, I can see even strength scoring one year. Well, you say that's a pretty small sample size. When you look at Oscar Clefbaum's even strength scoring over the last five years, he ranks, he's around 100 in the NHL, you know, roughly 100. Ranking, ranking. let me just I'll tell you where, where he fit in some of these years. Uh, Clefbaum, in his best year, which was 2014-15, he ranked 65th. Wow. Okay. Uh, we have him ranked 116th in 2018 19. This last year, uh, he was 119th for even strength point scoring. And in 2016 17, he was, um, looks like 88th. This so is points he, per 60. Points per 60, which, oh. you know, over time, you know, in, again, in one season could be misleading, but we're seeing him. He's in the range, he's around the 100 range. So he's not top pairing. He's he's a middle pairing defenseman in terms of puck moving, but that's his forte, right? That's his that's what he's known for is the puck moving. I Bruce, I'm I, I like I don't see how you move Larson unless you're you know he is in the last year of his contract, but he is a right defenseman, and he's a he's a tough defenseman, and I also do think there's you know maybe you move him, but I, I I'm open. I wouldn't move Nurse, or, and I wouldn't move Bear. Nurse's points per 60 scoring, he was uh, 42nd, last, 42nd last year, 47th the year before that, uh, 60, 75th the year before that, and, and 68th. So there's a lot of people who criticize Nurse, and he was 
had a really rough time in the playoffs defensively. He, yeah. he puts up the points. I, I think you keep him and Bear. And if you're going to move one of the top guys, it's to, and I would be, I'm not going to pull out my no hair. I have no hair on my head. But if I did, I wouldn't pull it out over if they moved Larson or Clefbaum, if I'm completely honest, Bruce. I could, I could, because Caleb Jones, I think, again, I think he, I think he could be as good as Oscar Clefbaum. I think he could give you everything that Oscar Clefbaum's giving you at this point. Like honestly, I I think honest Oscar Kleffbaum is a good player, but he he's not. I don't see him as a great player. I just don't. So. Well, yeah, I mean, there's lots to like about Kleffbaum. I mean, all of it, some of it's his all situations. He plays power play. He plays penalty yes. kill. He plays 25 minutes a night. He plays 60 or 70 games a year. Rarely, rarely 80. Like I see him kind of in the Alex Edler mode of. Uh, I got, you know, he's not going to thrill you with his offense, but he's going to chip in and, you know, there's a, a lot that he does right. But untouchable, I mean, it depends on how you're going to replace him. Like, I, I'm not sure that, again, the thing is, you're right about the lefties. Those are the ones that uh, that uh, are the big minute munchers and closer to the primes of their careers. And I, I'm thinking Larson maybe is on thin ice. And for sure, Chris Russell, I mean, if you get him... Moving and you get uh, you got Caleb Jones in his spot. Uh, you're making cap space and you're probably uh, you're certainly making your transition game way better. Chris Chris Russell has his charms, but uh, great puck moving from his own end is not one of them. That I, I've said this is the alpha move. The alpha move for Kent Hall in the summer is moving Russell. I mean, it's just they've got to move Chris Russell. They've got to find a way to move Chris Russell. Is I think because. He he his skills are completely replicated by Clefbaum and Larson at this point. They've become, you know, in their own way, versions of him. And in terms of being, you know, penalty kill guys and shot blockers and that kind of thing. But he Chris Russell is his puck moving it just isn't there. It's not close to being good enough anymore. And paired with Benning, then you have two guys in the bottom pairing are kind of so so. And I, I would prefer to keep Benning over Russell, so partly because of cap hit. Right. But, uh, yeah, Bruce, I want to read you what Alan May had to say and get your reaction. Mm-hmm. So Alan May sure. is a Washington Capitals commentator, longtime NHL player who had a cup of coffee in Edmonton. And he, he I thought, um, you know, we've gone on and on and on about breaking up the dynamite line of Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto, which I do still think was a profound mistake on the part of the coaching staff. Discombobulated the team is a big part of the Oilers losing. But outside of that, the one guy that that got me thinking about the Oilers and said something that that I hadn't been thinking about a lot was Alan May and his critique of the Oilers. So um, he, he said the Oilers just played the wrong style against the fast wheeling dealing Chicago Blackhawks. His argument was that the Oilers aren't a fast team. And and that hadn't popped in my head because Holland had done quite a bit to improve the Mm -hmm. team speed of the Oilers. But, you know, from May's eyes, he's not looking at, you know, the Oilers before that were a lot slower last year than, and right. speeded up quite a bit. He's just looking at the Oilers compared to the other NHL teams, which is mm-hmm. not, which is a weakness of my own analysis. And he, he, he was going on about this lack of team speed. And he said, with the Oilers' defensive lack of mobility on their backside, they were exposed. You needed to have all your forwards back especially the second, third, and fourth lines needed to be way better in getting back and protecting the house. Your goaltender is not going to be able to look good if you're not playing defense against a team like Chicago, and the Oilers don't have the speed to go back and forth. He then said you need, you need to shot block more, block more passes, 
get their bodies in the way, more takeaways, and they just didn't play the proper style. And then he zeroed in on the defense. And he said, mm-hmm. the Oilers are not a fast team. They have some very fast players, but they are not a fast team. The defense is not that agile. It's not that mobile. Clefbaum is a good skater. He's a different skater, but he's not a speedster. Darnell Nurse can wind it up, but he's not an agile guy. Ethan Bear is still learning how to play the game. He's not a high-end speed guy, in my opinion. And then the other guys, Russell, he doesn't have the speed. Benning doesn't have the speed to play the game. So you don't have to rely on a five-man unit of defensive play, and the orders uh, didn't do that. So what do you think of that critique that Alan May made, Bruce? Larson, too. He's no, he didn't even no, mention Larson. Yeah, well, Mark Larson didn't finish the series. He mentioned yeah. the five guys that played the whole series. Yeah. Anyway, he, he uh, um, I mean, the, the guy that replaced Larson, Caleb Jones, was the most mobile defenseman that they got at the current time. Yeah. Uh, and Jones, uh, or uh, Bear, I would say he's quick. Like, he makes good, quick decisions, but I wouldn't yes. call him a speedster. Correct. And, uh, I think maybe he sells Nurse a little bit short. His agility is pretty darn good for such a big fellow. Uh, but, you know, he has there's flaws in his game, let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, but in terms of go, going to get the puck and quickly distributing the puck, uh, the guy who's going to get to that puck quickest and move it the quickest is very possibly Caleb Jones out of the guys on the team, right? Yeah, and then maybe Embarer is good at it. Clefbaum's okay mm-hmm. at it. Like, you know, Clefbaum is a... He's he's kind of a, an okay skater. Like some people like his skating more than I, I do. I don't think he's a fast skater though. I think I'd say a C plus skater. Ethan Bear, C C plus. You know, with Caleb Jones being closer to a B plus or an A minus NHL skater, and, and Nurse probably B or B plus. I'd say B plus. Darnell Nurse, but and then Benning and Russell. Russell's still a decent skater, but um, not that effective making passes. And Benning is like a D skater in the NHL and Larson's the same. So it just really made me like someone looking at this team from outside the team, from just Mm -hmm. looking at it and this is like, look at that slow plotting defense. And it sounds like that's what's hitting you over the head. Cause this was hitting us over the head for years. The Oilers defense wasn't fast enough, but it sounds like still not fast enough, not even close. Well, I sure saw Duncan Keith good in that Chicago series. Let's put it that way. And I'm not sure the Oilers have any anybody of that uh, combination of of speed and, and ability to move the puck, even at 37 years old. And I, I suppose probably wily enough to have his young partner, Adam Bocas, do some of the legwork. But uh, but uh, Keith seemed to be in pretty good control out there when, when he was on the ice and I was never left with a real strong impression that any of Edmonton's defensemen was in control. Like that would be, like they were they were chasing they were chasing a lot and they were making unforced errors a lot. And, yeah. yeah, and and the only way around that was in the regular season, Bruce. I think the Oilers got around that by playing as a five-man unit very well most of the year by having all the forwards coming back deep and working the puck out as a group. And I think they got more into that long bomb game again, you know, shoot it up the boards, look for the long pass in the playoffs. Like it was just, the whole team wasn't in sync, cohesive. So they didn't have that five-man defense, this five-man slot defense. They didn't have the five-man breakout. And because they didn't have that, then the defensemen, like the problems with them were compounded and it just got worse and worse and worse. And that's how you end up giving up on average like four goals a game, which in the NHL is really atrocious. Like, honestly, it's... That's not even, you're not even in the ballpark. It's, you're just so far off. Mm -hmm. 
So um, there was problems in the whole team being out of sync, but I, I think that Alan May unfortunately nailed something here. Now, do you think that there is what you know? So I think Holland has got to make room for Caleb Jones. Maybe he's got to make room for Caleb Jones in the top four. Maybe that's maybe, but he's got to make room for him on the bottom of the roster. And 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 again, I also think that they they. Evan Bouchard had a pretty damn good year in the HL. Jonathan Willis did a fantastic post at the athletic recently where he looked mm-hmm. at the scoring numbers of AHL players, players right. who put up that many points in their rookie season, like Bouchard and those players, half of those players turned into outstanding top pairing NHL defensemen on the attack. You know, it's a coin flip, whether Bouchard is going to be that player or not, which is a pretty good coin flip to have. So I just think Bruce that, um, you know, I wouldn't mind if they opened up two roster spots, honestly. Mm-hmm. One for one for Jones and one for Bouchard. I don't think it's that big of a risk, that big of a uh, that big of a problem. Hey, listen, I have to I have to got to hit the road here. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, we'll have to end it there. But we'll be back soon enough. So, yep, there will be more hockey to talk about in due course. The news, the hits, just keep on coming, David. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Thanks again for talking. Oh, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Now, where is this button?